And as, uh, man, as Tanner said, we, we could not do camp the way we do it. Um, man, if it wasn't for, for just a generous and sacrificial church like you guys uh, have been. And uh, we could do camp different ways. We could stay locally. We could stay in Texas. But, uh, but to do three different camps in a span of 11 days between kids camp, high school camp, and junior high camp, and for, for Rachel and for Tanner to know that um, they don't have to check to make sure, oh, can we, can we afford this scholarship? That their, their immediate answer is yes. Um, and they're able to do that with confidence and get uh, kids to camp. And we're able to charge only about half of what it really does cost so that everybody could go whitewater rafting and everybody could uh, do the things. We don't charge our counselors anything but, uh, but their time and their sore bodies uh, when they get back. So thank you so much for being one of those churches that just uh, that find children's ministry and student ministry important and uh, invaluable. And so thank you for that. And uh, we really appreciate you guys. Um, we, uh, and there's just something uh, special about taking a third grader or a fourth grader or a seventh grader or a tenth grader or, or, or a senior or an adult out of their normal routine for a few days um, and uh, putting them in either beautiful Waxahachie, Texas or uh, 65 degree weather in Colorado, but getting them out of their normal routine for a few days uh, to focus in on who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And uh, Tanner really said it best, and he alluded to it a little bit, um, but on the last night of both high school camp and junior high camp, um, he said it, you know, that this doesn't have to be a camp high. And there were lots of emotions um, you know, as, as, as come with camp, as everybody's tired, but also as everybody's just been seeing the goodness of God and the love of God work in their lives. And in fact, I told Brett that last night, because it was such an emotional night, I said, man, the only thing worse than being a boy's leader is being a girl's leader at this point. I mean, because it was pretty intense. Um, but, uh, but Tanner said that this doesn't have to just be a camp high, but the, everything that happened those days, everything that they experienced was the result of saturating our um, our hearts in uh, in the Word of God and the Scriptures, and focusing our minds on who Jesus is and what He is, uh, what He's done for us. Uh, that led to some really incredible moments. And uh, and even though we don't have the sixty five degree uh, weather right now, and even though we don't have Caleb and the band leading us twice a day, and we don't have Rob teaching in the, in the evenings and Tanner teaching in the mornings every day, we still can encounter the same guy that we met on the mountain. We, encounter, we can encounter him here in Arlington, Texas every single day. And uh, I wanted to share today, I want to take a, uh, take a pause uh, from our storyline uh, series, and we'll get back to that next week. But uh, Rob Warren was our speaker for junior high and high school camp. And he's a pastor of Doxa Church in Madison, Wisconsin, who uh, we are a, uh, they, they are one of our mission uh, uh, partners that we pray for them every month and we, we give to them every month. So a portion of what, what you give is sent out to Madison, Wisconsin to do church planting. And, uh, and he was our speaker. And I just want to share some thoughts uh, from his last sermon, from his last talk on both high school and uh, junior high, and so that we're all on the same page as we continue to move forward. And he shared about what does it look like? What are seven characteristics, seven marks of uh, someone who is all in 
for Christ. And I just want to give those to you, uh, do a, just kind of take a few moments uh, before we continue with our, um, you know, we get to our Father's Day celebration. So uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to your table of contents and find the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 is where we're going to be as we see these seven marks of someone who wants to live an all-in life for, for Jesus. Um, so 1 Corinthians chapter 16 is where we're going to be. And uh, we're going to start in verse 13. And he immediately gives us several uh, things that should be true of you and I. If we're going to go all in for Jesus, that uh, these things need to be true of us. So verse 13, the Apostle Paul, he's writing to this, these new Christians, this new church in the, church, in the city of Corinth. And uh, they're getting it wrong more than they're getting it right. And so he's, he writes these letters to them uh, to uh, remind them of this is what it means to be a Christian. And he says, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, and do everything in love. So we immediately we see some characteristics. And so let's just kind of unpack these a little bit. Uh, he says, be on your guard. But what he literally writes is be, be watchful. And what this means is, is, is to be awake or to be alert. And, and this phrase, it's used 22 times in the New Testament. And the reason why it's used so many different times um, by different people writing these books of the New Testament is because these uh, early apostles, these early Christians understood that they had a real enemy that they needed to be watchful of, that they needed to be awake, they needed to be aware, they needed to be mindful of. And this real enemy, his name is Satan. And he has a real plan for our lives. Just like God has a good plan for our lives, Satan's plan for our lives is to steal, kill, and destroy anything that's good in our lives. That his plan for our lives is to steal, kill, and destroy anything that God has given us, anything that reflects God, anything that brings us joy, anything that we love. His, his plan is to destroy that. And we need to be on our, our, our we need to be alert in that. And one of the biggest ways that you and I fall deceptive of Satan's plan for our lives as we begin going down this slope, this drift, if you will, of not taking sin seriously. And the moment that we start kind of ranking sin of, oh, these are the bad ones that I would never do, but these over here, I don't know, it's a little white lie. Well, hello, we won't find the phrase little white lie in the scripture. You know why? Because it's a lie and it's a sin. And so because God takes sin seriously, you and I need to take sin seriously and, and quit comparing ourselves to other people and say, well, you know, I, I know I have this sin in my life, but at least I'm not doing that sin like they are. Our lives to make us feel better, but we need to start taking sin seriously and killing the sin that is killing us. And the way we do that is through consistent moments in his word and holding his word, his law, his truth up 
to our hearts and our minds and our lives? And is there anything in our lives that aren't reflecting who God is or his law for us or his, his principles for us? And we need to kill it. We need to get rid of it in our lives. And so the first thing, if we're going to be all in for Jesus, is we need to be watchful. The second thing that Paul says is that we need to stand firm in the faith. Now, he doesn't say stand firm in your faith because our faith is not about us. That our faith is about Jesus. And the only way that you and I, the only chance that you and I have to stand firm in our faith is is through solid doctrine, through right and correct theology. And, and, And that only comes, it's only found in the scriptures. That, that's one of the reasons why we're going through this, um, this storyline series because it's important as, as followers, as disciples, as students of Jesus Christ that we have a frame of reference of how the Bible is put together and what it says. That's one of the reasons why we're, that right now at 1045, there's a Bible recap class that are covering some stories that we don't have time to cover in our series. That's another reason why small groups are so important. That's another reason why we're doing everything we do in student ministry this summer is so that we can have a sound doctrine because sound doctrine leads to correct thinking and correct thinking leads to God's paths in our lives. But the problem is, we live in a society that, that, that says that feelings determine what's true. That I can determine what's true for my life by, based on how I feel, based on my emotions, based on my heart. But the Bible clearly says that we cannot trust our hearts. We cannot follow our hearts. Because if we trust our hearts or trust our emotions or trust our feelings, they're going to lead us down the wrong paths. But in order to stand firm in our faith, in order to go down the path that God wants us to go down, is we need to we need right and correct and true doctrine. And that comes through consistent moments in his word. So we, so we don't ever fall into the temptation of saying, well, I think that. I mean, I, I pray that's a phrase that never comes out of my mouth as I stand and teach the Bible. I think that. It doesn't matter what I think. It matters what God thinks. It matters what God says because his ways are so much higher than our ways and his thoughts so much higher than our thoughts. Paul says the third characteristic of, of, of to, to live a life that's all in for Christ. He says, act like men. Now, and what it, what, basically what he's saying is that we need to be mature in our faith. We need to grow in our faith. That we, need to, we don't need to remain baby Christians. I love what the student said. That, um, that they said, well, well Rob said that, that Christianity is, is about progress, not perfection. And I'm like, I say that once a month. But that's the reason why I'm not the camp speaker, okay? That's the reason why I need my teenagers around other people to say the same things I'm saying, right? And, and we all need that. But, um, but Christianity is not about perfection. It's about progress. And so the question is, are we progressing in our faith? 
Do we spend more time in the Bible than we did six months ago? Do we know more about God than we did a year ago? Do we know more about how to obey God and how to live a life that's all in for him more now than when we first began our journey with God so many years ago? But the problem is we don't make we, so many of us, we remain baby Christians because we don't make the Bible a priority. We don't make church a priority. And so there is no progress. You see, maturity in Christ is not knowing a bunch of Bible verses that we memorize or going to church every Sunday or reading a bunch of Christian books. But maturity is measured by obedience. And we've seen the last few weeks in our series that, that, that we come, come around this theme of obedience is better than sacrifice. That God wants our obedience. That he wants us to obey him not only in the big things, but also in the small things. He wants us to obey him not only when, all the, when we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses and all the eyes are on us and all the attention's on us, but he wants us to obey him in the small things as well. So we need to be a people that allow God's word, that allow the Bible to master us. So the fourth characteristic is to be strong. See, God gives us the strength to live these things out. God gives us the strength to, to overcome temptation. Now, now here's the deal. That strength, it, it doesn't rise up from within us. That's what I thought for so many years, failed miserably, that I felt like if I had enough willpower, if I had enough self-control, if I could just try harder, then God would love me more. But this power that we have to live out the things that Christ wants us to live out, this power that we need to overcome temptation is not within us, it's outside of us that comes to us through the Holy Spirit. That when we put our faith in Jesus Christ and who he is and what he's done for our lives, not only do we have forgiveness of sin, not only do, do we go from being spiritually dead to being spiritually alive, but he puts his spirit, the Holy Spirit, in us, and that's the power. And it's the same power that Paul calls, uses the word dunamis. It's the Greek word for power. It's the same power that's alive and active in us that, that God used to raise Jesus from the dead. That's the kind of power that we have in us supplied through the Holy Spirit. Zechariah 4.6 says, not by might nor by power. In other words, it's not about pulling ourselves up from our own bootstraps, whatever that means. But it's by my strength, says the Lord. And strength comes from what we, well, looking and gazing at the scriptures and who God is and what he's done for us. Because Christianity is not about what we can do for God. That's religion. Christianity is about putting, is about putting our faith in what God has already done for us in Jesus Christ. And then Paul, he, he, he writes one more thing in, this, in these two little verses. He says that let, let all that you do be done in love. Let all that you do. Be done in love. The whole book of 1 Corinthians is about love. Jesus says in John 13, he says, by this, 
by this one quality, this one characteristic, all men will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. If you've been to a wedding lately, maybe you've heard uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 13 read. It says, uh, just kind of follow along here and then make kind of mental list. It says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. That would be a great devotional for the week. Maybe a couple of weeks. Kind of do some self-inventory. Hold that scripture up against our hearts and our minds and start to ask ourselves, okay, am I being patient at home now that the kids are at home on summer break? Am I being kind to my parents when I wake up at the crack of noon? <laughs> am I being, am I, am I easily angered at work? Am, do, am I boasting about my accomplishments? Am I, am I jealous of other people? When I talk about other people, do I, do I dishonor them or do I lift them up? Am I, keep, am I holding grudges? Am I keeping a record of wrongs? I mean, that would be an incredible devotional if we could be honest with ourselves. But the problem is we can't always be honest with ourselves. And so maybe it's get a trusted friend. Or maybe this would be a great date night, Okay. Um, just to go out for a nice dinner, you know, a slow dinner. And after you're done with dinner and you have a glass of wine and you just kind of ask one another, you know, uh, these questions. And, and guys, you know, you lead out, you go first and you, and you say, hey, you know, honey, it, is there, have, I been, have I been impatient or unkind? When, when you listen to me talk, am, am I boasting about my accomplishments do you think that I'm jealous of, of anybody in my circle? Am I, am I holding grudges? I mean, just kind of, and then guys, just be quiet and listen. And, and really listen with your heart. And, and then she's, when she's done, then she's going to say, well, well darling, is, is there anything that, that I've done? And here's what you say, guys. You quote scripture and you say, baby, I don't keep record of wrongs. Check, please. <laughs> no, but what a, great, what a great devotional that would be. What a great conversation potentially that could be. I would, I would suggest you schedule a counseling uh, session afterwards, maybe the next day. Um, but, um, but man, that should be the way we live. It should be marked by, by love. And then Paul goes on the next few verses. Chapter 16, and I'm going to stumble over some of these names. But uh, he says, you know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia, And they have devoted themselves to the service of the Lord's people. And I urge you, brothers and sisters, to submit to such people and to everyone who joins in the work and the laborers at it. And I was glad when uh, Stephanus for, Fortitas and Achaeus arrived because they have supplied what was lacking from you. And for they refreshed my spirit and yours also. Such men deserve recognition. 
The churches in the province of Asia send greetings. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord. And so does the church that meets at their house. And all the brothers and sisters here send you greetings and greet one another with a holy kiss. And what, what Paul is saying there is that another characteristic of somebody who's all in for Jesus is humble submission. That Paul talks about several people who, who are well respected and known as Christians by, by the people in the city of Corinth. And Paul basically says, hey, follow these people. That, that, that you and I, we need these people in our lives. We need people who are doing the work of the Lord and we need to learn from them. We need to ask them questions. We need to submit to them and we need to try to be like them. That we need to find people who are 10 years or 20 years down the road in their faith or in season of life and say, hey, what did you do when you were in my stage of life that, that, that you did well, that you didn't do well? Maybe financially, maybe career, maybe in, in, in your marriage, maybe with your parenting or in, in your devotion to God. What did you do that set you up for where you are now? That we need people that know us well enough that can speak truth into our lives. And maybe we don't see our flaws or we don't see our sin, but they do. And we humbly submit ourselves to them. You see, the, the Christian life is about humble submission. Humble submission is the theme of a person who is all in from Christ. And the last characteristic, Paul, he closes out the letter. He says, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. If anyone does not love the Lord, let that person be cursed. But come, Lord, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. May the, my, my love to all of you in Christ Jesus. Amen. And what Paul does there in the last few verses, he mentions Jesus several times. And the reason why he does that is the last characteristic is that we need to keep it all about Jesus. And I, I, I love this church that I get to be a part of because we're so intentional about keeping it all about Jesus. We don't do a lot of programs, but when we do something, we point people to Jesus. This whole summer, and we are pointing students and kids to Jesus. We want our Sunday mornings, our gathering to point us to Jesus. And the reason why we do camp, yes, we could do it cheaper, but the reason why we do it the way we do it is so that we can surround them with God's beauty and creation and we can point students to Jesus. And that's what we need to do as a church. We need to lock arms and point one another and point our community to Jesus. And Caleb and the band, they're going to come and just close us out with a song and then Tanner will come and close our, 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 uh, our morning service out. But... Uh, and this summer, as things maybe slow down just a little bit, you know, just a little bit, could we be men and women who would be consistent in the Word of God? Could we be men and women that would, that would make gathering together a priority and we would focus our hearts and our minds on Jesus? And yeah, we don't have the 65-degree weather. And we don't have the... The, the whitewater rapids. We don't have the crazy and fun games, but we do have exactly what we need. We have Jesus. 
And could we fix our hearts on Jesus? Could we saturate our minds in the scriptures about Jesus? And would those things mark who we are? And would those, those things determine how we respond to people? And that whatever we do, it would be marked with love.